Welcome into another edition of Battle Plans. I'm Tony Lombardi. I'm joined by Dev Pantois from Russell Street Report. This edition of Battle Plans is brought to you in part by Rock Spring Financial Group. Rick Metzger and his team of professionals work with many lenders, and their goal is to find the right one to fit your mortgage needs, whatever they are. If you're seeking financing for a dream home, vacation home, rental property, get the right fit with Rock Spring Financial. Others have taken my suggestion, and they've walked away from the table smiling ear to ear. Call them at 443-801-6389. That's 443-801-6389. Dev, welcome in. We're missing our compadre today. Yeah, he is making his grand journey. It's funny, uh, Tony. He, I think he announced it on Twitter. I'm coming to America. <laughs> and it made me think of coming to America, the movie. Of course. <laughs> it, was like, it was perfect, though, because uh, I know... I know a lot of folks uh, love James and they should, and they've interacted with him and he, you know, he's just phenomenal. So I'm glad he's getting this chance and he's got this great, great plan trip, a uh, plan and trip uh, mapped out. I was telling my wife about him. Like, this is like the, like, this is like the, the greatest football <laughs> like trip ever planned uh, for him. So anyway, um, uh, happy that he's able to do that, but that means you and I are, just kind of in the saddle together though. <laughs> it's all good, but yeah, I'm happy for James. And it's been a blessing and a treasure really to have him join the RSR team because he's just a breath of fresh air and a wealth of knowledge and a guy who I wish I just sort of picked up on him, just some of the things he shared on Twitter. And I said, this guy really knows what he's talking about. So I reached out to him, scheduled a zoom call with him once. And, and when we got on the zoom call, unbeknownst to me up until that moment i did not know he was british <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, I just i mean maybe this is just me in my own little boxed up world but i just didn't expect a brit to have that kind of, of that wealth of knowledge with american football it's just it's amazing it blows my mind and um you know it's just he just he teaches me something new every time i read one of his pieces yeah 100 percent. i mean he's and the funny thing Tony, is i don't think the fans understand that he and he told me that this is a, a lot of things that he's picking up on the fly. He's a, he's a personnel guy and the draft is his forte. So if you think about that and how he's pivoted, it's mind blowing how good he is at this. Uh, so I've told him left and right about it. And he's such a humble guy, but he digs, he digs in and he works every week. So glad that he gets the chance to kind of take a step back and enjoy things. But uh, yeah. I'm with you. It was surprising, but it seems like he's a natural. He absolutely is. So speaking of taking a step back, let's look back at the Ravens' first nine games. They find themselves heading into week 11, six and three, atop the AFC North. It hasn't been pretty. It hasn't been easy, but it's the Ravens, and that's how John Harbaugh seems to sum up that team. So if you could, just assess those first nine games. It's – it's interesting. The record itself, I would have said this is about right. Like this six and three, but how they arrived at the six and three, uh, you know, that that kind of wasn't expected. But that always happens in the NFL. You can't predict anything. Uh, but I think the six and three, I would have liked for them to be uh, eight and two, you know, to this point, just given obviously the stakes on that game against the Dolphins. But by and large, from a macro perspective, yeah, this is, uh, this is good. Like we knew coming into the season, they had a ton of injuries. They still lead the league, I think, in IR play, players on the IR list. So, 
And it's funny because I was just watching randomly the highlights from the Titans playoff game. There's every, every play was made by a guy that's not playing right now. Like every key play, whether it was LJ Fort, whether it was Peters, uh, whether it was Wolf, whether it was the, the running backs, Dobbins and, 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 um, and Gus, I mean, you name it. So they, the, 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 the reality is, is this has had such a talent drain on this team. And, and yet here they are, they're one game behind the Titans for the be- best record in the AFC. So I think they're right where they would have probably still been, even if they had those guys, in my estimation. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with you. I wouldn't think that they'd be too far off. I, I had the Dolphins down as a win, and I had them actually being eight and two at some point, you know, through the, their first 10 games. I, I had them beating the Bears. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But, you know, if, if I think back on the season, I'm good with where they are. I think there's a lot of weaknesses that they need to correct. And the question is going to be can they do it on the fly for the balance of the 2021 regular season so that remains to be seen and we'll be hopeful and we'll talk about some of that too but through the nine games some of your surprises and disappointments yeah I thought this was a great question so I took a couple I I noted a couple player surprises and then I'll just start with kind of like the team surprise one is that obviously I didn't expect them to struggle as much with the run game just given their portfolio under Greg Roman. I mean, 2018, he, you know, he wasn't the offensive coordinator then, but they installed a lot of this. And they had a similar ragtag group of running backs, not to this extent, but when you think about it, Gus was kind of, you know, he was an undrafted rookie. They had uh, Kenneth Dixon. I remember talking to uh, Michael Crawford about this, like uh, before the season or so. And I was like, you know, they're just going to plug these guys in, whoever they are, whether it's Murray or Bell, just because – I mean, they had Kenneth Dixon rushing for almost a thousand yards in 2018, but I guess I didn't give enough credit to the offensive line as well. And just the, the injuries there and the talent drained there and these backs, it's just, it's kind of been very difficult to get any, any sort of consistency with the backs. They're not able to hit the edges. Uh, I know we're going to dig into some of this throughout the pod, you know, but some of the things that they could change or hopefully they make some changes, but that's probably my big team surprise. And then just, as far as the, the players in a good way, uh, Patrick McCarry is a good surprise for me. He stepped in and he's been terrific. He was, uh, I think, graded the best right, right tackle in the league at one point by pro football focus. So uh, I think he's been a pleasant surprise. Anthony Avert on the other side too has held down things at cornerback without Marcus Peters. He's not Marcus Peters, but he's been very, very good. Uh, so I think those are my biggest standout surprises so far. I think my surprises for sure are Patrick McCarry right at top of the, the list because when I watch them during training camp and you start to assess, well, what's your 53-man roster going to look like? And I thought that McCarry was on the bubble. Thankfully, the Ravens coaching staff knew better and valued his versatility. I mean, the guy was a right tackle in college, played – center and guard at the professional level. He doesn't have the length typically for a a tackle, but what he does do is he engages and and he, once he engages, he's locked in and, and knows how to position his body and has done a really, really good job at right tackle so much. So Deb, that I thought that if Ronnie Stanley, this is back when we thought that Stanley might return from that ankle injury. If he was back in the lineup at left tackle, I thought Villanueva would have been the swing tackle and they would have kept Macari as a starter at right tackle. So 
Total surprise yeah. there. Total surprise. Yep, I agree and, with you on that. And, and I think too, the you know surprise and dis- disappointment kind of the lines blur a little bit with this one. But I'm just surprised and disappointed in the Ravens' defense overall. I just mm-hmm. you know they've they've tackled poorly. They've given up way too many big plays. They have seven plays of 50 plus yards given up in the first nine games and they have zero of their own so if someone had said to us early in the season that this was going to be the number that that pick it it was the Ravens opponent or the Ravens that they would have seven 50 plus yard plays and the other would have zero you'd probably say the Ravens offense had that right so I I just think that that's a, a big disappointment the the one thing that I, I think has been a bright spot over the past few weeks is the inside linebacker play for the first six games was horrible. And with, with Josh Bynes asserting himself in the middle there and now Queen taking on that weak side inside you know, responsibility, it seems to have freed him up to just let his athleticism take over. He's played tremendously better. The pair have really – they're not great by any stretch of the imagination, but they're a lot better than they were the first six games. So that that's kind of a borderline surprise, but a bright spot. And I think proof that the team can on the fly fix some of the problems, but I still think that tackling and the play in the secondary with giving up those big plays is not only a surprise, but a disappointment that can still be fixed. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. I just like, and for, as far as disappointments, I, I also noted Marlon Humphrey. So kind of an extension of your point. Uh, he, I don't want to put, you know, he's, it's always tough to isolate one player, but when you're paying your guy, the amount of money they're paying him when he's the linchpin of that defense, I think along with, I mean, maybe Clay's Campbell's the only other guy, but I mean, Marlon Humphrey's their best player on defense by by far right like I think it's especially with Marcus Peters being out so like that I think he has got to step it up somehow uh in the in the next uh games a few games here I guess the next eight games because it's a 17 game season so there's still eight games to go which is a marathon but he's a part of that for me he's given up big plays he's missed tackles I don't know from some of the assignments if it's just been tough to get him uh, you know, figured out in, 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 in a way because they, they needed him to cover more ground for Marcus Peters being out. So, and Tavon Young's back too. So there might've been a little bit of like, who's doing what, but overall, yeah, I, I think it's kind of part of it that they, I agree. The defense has just been shockingly uh, disappointing, especially when it comes to the tackling aspect and just these basics that I would have expected them to be able to do. And also they're not making any plays. I know they, they don't have Marcus Peters, but I would have expected against the Dolphins, no less, that you would have been able to get like a turnover or two. Um, so this is going to be a huge key to whatever they do going forward because you can't, um, you realistically can't do anything in the postseason if you're not creating turnovers. You're right. And they're right now minus five on the season through nine games. And it, it makes you take a step back and wonder, are some of these issues fixable given the, the amount of players the Ravens have on injured reserve, the very limited cap space that they have, and the fact that, you know, if you're going to fix issues on defense, Wink has a complex defense, and I don't think guys off the street are going to come in and be immediately productive and, unless they're, 
you know, let's say it was an edge rush and all you said was go after the quarterback on third down. That's a different kind of story. But you, you have to wonder if the issues are fixable. But then you look around the league, Dev, and you see there's – parity is really just <laughs> rampant right now yes. in the NFL. And, and that's kind of a good thing because maybe the Ravens can get over these issues if they can exploit the weaknesses of other teams more than their own weaknesses are exploited. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I agree. For example, you know, the AFC, there are some, some issues with the Buffalo offense, uh, you know, the, the protection being similar. To, I mean, we relate here in Baltimore, right? Like their offensive line has been underperforming. There's been some things schematically that teams have done to really, um, to really make things more uncomfortable for that Buffalo offense than they had last year. Tennessee obviously doesn't have Derrick Henry. So you look at some, and they're going to, I think they're going to get them back for the postseason. But the point is, is that, yeah, like there are going to be some chances for the Ravens, even though they're uh, deficient in other areas that they can, they could potentially exploit. Uh, and, and I think they can still do it with the personnel that they have. I thought, you know, like one example for me, I know the pass rush has gotten um, kind of, kind of, uh, it's going to dry, you know, it's been taken uh, to task or whatever. But if you look at the pass rush, I thought against Miami, they were very, very good uh, between the lines. They got pressure consistently and they did some good things. They used some, some, but their stunts and their schemes and the line games, Campbell, OA, Houston. I mean, they really kind of, you know, I thought that part of it, Wink called a very good game. So that's something to build on. But if the pressure can lead to some of these turnovers, right? Like that's, that's the thing I could see them potentially getting better with. Um, as Houston has gotten more acclimated. And then I thought Justin Matabike also played probably the best game in quite some time and has played well with Brandon Williams out of the lineup. Yeah, so th- that's at least one example, I think, where I want to see like Owe and, and Houston turn it up because I think both of those guys are capable of doing that. We're going to take a short break with Battle Plans. Battle Plans brought to you in part by Royal Farms. Be sure to join Rofo Rewards. For every dollar you spend in-store, you'll receive five points. And for every gallon of gas purchased, you'll receive one point. Redeem your points to receive a wide range of items. For details, go to RofoRewards.com. Deb, when watching that Miami game, I thought back, I'm not sure which season it was, but the way that game played out, the frustration level, just watching that offense, just so putrid, reminded me of when the Ravens traveled down to a night game in Jacksonville years ago and just totally soiled the bed with <laughs> Joe Flacco at, at the controls. And, and then I thought, you know, well, what is this? Is this a coordinator issue? Is this an execution issue? Your thoughts on what happened in Miami with regard to them selling out with these uh, zeros blitz schemes and just the Ravens knowing that that was going to happen and look so ill-prepared. Was that an execution standpoint? Was it a play calling standpoint or was it a combination thereof? It's easy to say. It's a, first of all, let me take a step back with that first point about the Jags game. <laughs> and you're right. It, it made me think of that. That's the, that's still, in my opinion, their worst loss in, in franchise history. So it's not quite at that level for the fans' sake, at least. Like, you take some solace in the fact that it's not quite that bad. And that, that team was very, very, very good. 2011 is arguably a Super Bowl team. They should have been in the Super Bowl. So they overcame that, and they, they really had a good season. So, yeah, that's the bright side. But, yeah, I, I, it's easy to say it's a combination of the two. I actually put more weight, and it's funny because I was 
killing Greg Roman during the broadcast. It was, I was killing it. I was saying, I can't understand how an offensive coordinator can see the same look over and over again and not have a better uh, approach to it and adjust to this. But in retrospect, as you peeled back the onion, of course, this always happens. You, it, the film is, is looked at, and I think it's come out. A lot of people have dissected this game. And I and, and James actually called a lot of this beforehand but in, the, in, in our battle plans preview. I mean, they run these schemes and it forces the, the offensive, it forces a lot of adjustments on the fly from the offense. So I think the team from an execution standpoint, I think was, it was more in that department really that failed them than actually the play calls themselves, because I think there were some opportunities, but some of the calls that were made um, and if they had been able to hit on a couple of these plays, give or take, if, if an example is, is like, there's been a, a cry for slants. Well, they called a slant to Sammy Watkins. They, they did. They, that play was actually looking like a first down and he fumbled the football. So that's a little bit of a simplification of that particular play. But and that led to a touchdown. Right. So but I think the, the misnomer is that the, the, the Dolphins just rushed and overwhelmed with numbers at the line of scrimmage. They didn't always do that. They did quite a bit of, of just pre-snap show of that. And then they had guys dropping and, and, and picking different places to drop into. And a lot of it was kind of in the middle of the field. So they, they, had a really, they had a really sound scheme. It's also a scheme that has really overwhelmed some, some good quarterbacks, good offenses in the past, including Josh Allen. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had his fits with it last season. I think they, they also gave the Rams a lot of trouble. Uh, it's that Belichick defense, uh, Tony. And when it's on, and, and they have really good secondary. They have good personnel. Uh, they, can make, they can make offenses look bad. And I think on a short week, it just was a perfect storm of, of all these problems. And, and you just saw, the one thing I would say, though, is that coming out of this, uh, I would hope they worked on their communication offensively because it was clear from watching the game that the offensive line wasn't in, on the same page. The receivers weren't on the same page. The quarterback wasn't on the same page. Like they had so many communication issues throughout that that I don't know if that's something that falls squarely on the players but I think between the coaches and the players hopefully they, they ironed all that out now when you look at the performance of the Ravens and just an abysmal offensive performance uh, Lamar right on through a couple of things pop out to me is that it is a copycat league and you would have to think that the Bears have the kind of personnel that they could do similar things against the Ravens. And until the Ravens can prove that they can combat that and stop it, their teams will just continue to do that. And, and the other thing too, is that, you know, the bears have, they can get after you with just their down linemen. Their first, their front four guys are pretty strong, but to me, the way the Ravens have pl played that game, the, the biggest culprit in my mind was that they were so poor on first down. And mm -hmm. they had, we were left with so many second and third long situations. And we both know that the Ravens offensive line is not equipped to handle a lot of pressure, particularly when guys are stunning up front. And I'm, I'm tired of seeing number 78 and number 72 get their feet tangled together when guys are stunting between them. Yeah. And I, I think it gets to the heart of the matter. Yes. Like you could look at what Miami did overall, but how did they get to that point? It was third down. You're in obvious passing situations. That's when Miami had their hay. If the Ravens were on track with their game, well, they're on track in the down to distance 
and they were efficient offensively on first and second down running the football or likewise, I mean, or otherwise to me, just even just moving the football, gaining yards, then none of this would have happened, but it, it's been a constant problem all year long. If you go back to the very first game of the season against the Raiders, what did they do? They, they were successful on first and second down. They created a lot of third and longs and that's when they teed off with a different type of approach. They just teed off with their front, like the bears could. Uh, so I a hundred percent see that as the has to be the point of emphasis for the, for the second half as well. And to me, you can't just be, and this part I will blame, I uh, will get on Roman for. I don't see a ton of variation on first down and second down with the passing game. I think they go for the jugular a lot. They, they call a lot of play, play action. And maybe it's a byproduct of, of what Lamar's reading and maybe Lamar's not taking the, the underneath stuff and kind of just progressing the offense. But whatever it is, they got to get, I think, somewhat of a short passing game going with an, as an extension of their running game if they cannot produce on uh, with the running game in an early down situation they got to change things up and i think there's a tendency to just go back to the well because it's worked for them in years past and this isn't the same running uh, this isn't the same running team this isn't the same rush offense it's not as capable of just gaining eight yards seven yards six yards whatever it is on first down so they got to change things up i think that means some short passes i thought they kind of actually finally at the end of that game on that touchdown drive uh, hit on some stuff that they could take over or move to other games. And that needs to be incorporated on early downs to me. Yeah, really good point. So the Ravens get ready to prepare or prepare to, to take on the Bears and Soldier Field, a place where they have not won in franchise history. They're 0-3 in Soldier Field. But the Ravens do get back a couple of people. You get Nick Boyle, was a full participant. Oh, we're recording this on Thursday morning. Was a full participant on Wednesday. And Patrick McCarry was back. He was limited, but he was back, as was Latavius Murray. For the Bears, a couple of guys that are important are Eddie Jackson. He's a, he's a good corner. He's been struggling with a hamstring injury. He did not participate on Wednesday. And also the, the Khalil Mack. He's had a foot injury. He did not participate on Wednesday, but he's said to be expected back for this game. So, Talk about some of those players for both the Ravens and the Bears coming back, Dev, and, and what kind of impact they might have on the game. Yeah, let's uh, start with the Ravens. Obviously, you know, we've been kind of waiting and waiting for Nick Boyle. Uh, he, we talked about him on a couple of other Battle, battle Plans podcasts before. His influence uh, and potential value that he could bring in the run game. I talked about the run game just now. But if they can get him back, and he, I don't expect them to be – playing all the snaps like he's not going to play all the snaps of course but I think even just in uh, certain scenarios this you know, situational football um, he's just adds so much value I think as a kickout blocker so he could help seal the edges he can help take on a tight end and he's going to win that matchup or he can help take on even a end at times and they can run more combinations with him and Ricard and there's it's just it's just uh it opens up so much in the run game and the blocking scheme it it's tremendous, and it's almost like getting a very good offensive lineman in the fold. So, and they, they may, I know Patrick McCarry also practiced, but he could be, you know, further out. I think he probably would be further out. But if you, if you can take it a step further once he's back, it, it just, I think, will elevate their uh, overall run blocking and make things easier. Um, Latavius is another interesting guy who 
I know he's not the most scintillating runner. Uh, he's lost a couple steps and he wasn't very, I don't think he's been very fast in his career to begin with, maybe going way back in his days as a, on the Raiders. Um, I think he was, he was better with the speed, but uh, he's a banger inside. So I think they miss a little bit of like that. I, I know they got some of that from, from bell and uh, he looked good against the Vikings, just kind of plow ahead and push the pocket or push the file. But I think Murray's inside running and his ability to get those, those uh, kind of safe yards. Um, it's not sexy, but he gets it done. And hopefully, um, you know, as an extension, maybe if he had the time, I know he's recovering from, from this, but I, I hope he had some time. Maybe he gets his legs back. Uh, they could use some fresh legs. So that's on the Ravens front on the bears front to your point, man, if Khalil Mack could somehow miss another game, that would be awesome because they, I don't want any parts of Khalil Mack if they can help it. We know what he, what he is, which is kind of established himself as a top five guy at his position, rushing the passer. He creates and destroys pockets. He double he forces double teams. Um, he forced tilts in the offensive line. So these are all the things that he brings to the table. And I think, it's pretty, pretty clear um, that they miss him. I know they have Hicks, but he's also banged up. But if you have Hicks and Mack together, um, that's tough. And then Eddie Jackson is just a very cerebral uh, safety for them. He holds that secondary down, very much a, one of the top guys in the league, uh, a playmaker. So uh, those guys are very integral to the defense for the Bears. And I, I think, you know, key, key guys um, – and so, I mean, hopefully they're on the wrong side of being able to play in this game. So, you know, we talked about the Bears potentially recreating what Miami did, but they've got a different set of personnel. And as you mentioned, they're, they're front four, if healthy. And Keem Nicks, or Hicks is also struggling with an ankle injury. He did not participate on Wednesday either. So remains to be seen if these guys are healthy. That's going to be a handful. And as you mentioned, Khalil Mack, I just don't know that the Ravens have an answer for him because he'll he'll destroy Villanueva. He'll God knows what he'll do with Tyree Phillips, and and it, that brings up a question too. It, it, they signed Cedric Ogbuehi off the uh, he was released by the Seahawks, and you know not that he's a powerful guy, but he's a, a technician that I think could at least get in Khalil Mack's way a little bit. I'm surprised that he hasn't been up and moved Tyree into left guard so far. What are your thoughts on that? I'm surprised as well. <clears throat> and we've talked about him, Abehi, uh, if I can ever pronounce his name correctly. I apologize to him and his, <laughs> his, uh, his family. But, yeah, he, he's, he's someone I want to see get a chance. I mean, I think with Tyree, I, don't, I didn't dissect and drill down on the film to the extent or, or didn't look at Phillips. I think during the game I had noted that is he, a, is he a culprit here? Like is some of the slides and some of the things that they try to do with the slide protection, uh, was he – I know the entire line fa- failed, but was he kind of one of their attack – was he a guy that the, the Dolphins keyed in on, for example? Um, so I, I don't have the answer to that. Maybe that's something you know that James <laughs> has the answer for in battle plans. Uh, when that comes out, but uh, like the written edition, but yeah, I think I would like to see it because I just think Phillips is more of a natural left guard. I think from everything that we've talked about, the the thing that um, he struggles with is pass protection. If anything, I mean, he's kind of a mauler who could, if you get him going, uh, isolate him and, and, and not on the, uh, in space, right? Like keep him confined. He's got the, he's got a better chance to succeed. 
Um, and so I think it's a bit surprising to this point that they haven't gone to that. And, and maybe that they, they will in this game because of Mac, what he presents, what, what the threat is, um, because that's something and, and it, it's interesting. You brought up uh, what can they do to counter Mac? And I just thought of the, the, the guy that they faced that's similar to Mac is Joey Bosa. And they, I was scared of Joey Bosa as well. And, and, and that, you know, that matchup and, that was obviously against Macari, so it was a little bit different. But I think what they did schematically is they attacked Bosa in the run game. So I wonder if that's the solution. But and, and if that's the case, is Tyree able to do that? Is, is it just kind of like let him loose, let him get after guys with Boyle back? So maybe that's something to look out for on those strong side blocks. If Mac is, is pretty much he's a, he's a left end, so I don't think he's going to move around a ton maybe just attacking him, especially if he's banged up, is, is, is the way to approach it. Um, but real quick to pivot, I don't know if I'm, I'm jumping ahead. You mentioned if the Bears can recreate what the Dolphins did. And it's interesting. I had an article pulled up just for you, Tony, because I know you li- love this. Sean Desai, who's the new defensive coordinator for the Bears, and the article says, I think, something to the effect of Sean Desai is a Vic Fangio disciple, and that's his mentor. And how much have we talked about Vic Fangio's scheme and James has done, did such an incredible job of, of just, just breaking down all of the nuts and bolts of that. And the, and the long and short is Desai follows Fangio's scheme. There's some nuances to that, I'm sure. Uh, but a lot of the rolling, using his safeties to, to roll and move, that plays into Jackson. But they tend not to blitz the way the Dolphins do or not tend to show blitz the way the Dolphins do and attack that way and really lean in on their man coverage. The question is, will they, again, will they kind of take a page out of Miami's playbook knowing that it was so successful? And I don't know if they can change those stripes overnight. Like, I think they're kind of built into that, that scheme. And I don't know how much, like they can add some layers to it, but I don't know if they can just overnight change it all up. Well, you you mentioned the Fangio uh, ties to the bears and whatnot. And I think that when you look at, at those two teams and if they're going to incorporate similar defensive principles as, you know, the Fangio uh, coaching tree, you know, expands, I think that you kind of need that safety, you know, the, the safety that is a guy that's a quarterback can, that can be versatile, can make those kinds of plays and, and kind of get his defense in position post-snap because we know as James has told us before that Fangio's defense is predicated on showing you something initially and then showing you something different so when you look at guys like uh, Justin Simmons does that for Fangio now in Denver Eddie Jackson's that guy in Chicago yeah absolutely he is it's such a solid point that you do need the uh, the safety's discipline and being ingrained in this and understanding it and being able to execute it. And it's post-snap. And like you said, from pre to post-snap, what do they do with those safeties and how do they move them? And uh, I did watch, uh, I think I watched a good percentage of that Steelers game. And they looked solid, but they played the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers offense uh, is not exactly this explosive offense, right? So it's kind of hard to judge what they were, I mean, what they were doing on the back end uh, and, and whether or not they were able to really um, kind of confound Roethlisberger. And, 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 you know, I think there were some times that Roethlisberger didn't miss some throws, but it's hard to judge. But, yeah, I think if they're able to 
I mean, they're going to do a lot of what Denver did. Question is, is, is uh, you know, Denver also on first down really dared the Ravens to throw the ball over the top and the Ravens were able to do that. And so I think that'll still come up. And yeah, I, I agree. Um, the key, if, if Jackson plays, I think this could be tricky, um, especially if they get all these guys, it's going to be uh, quite a challenge. You have to be able to run the ball, I think, decently against this team to an extent, or at least they're going to have to execute much better with the play action um, if the Bears are really dead set on taking, taking that away. But at this point, the Ravens haven't even proven that they can run the ball with any level of, um, of the same level of effectiveness. And it's not a fear factor as it was with Denver back when they, they had committed to stop the run. So I wonder, you know, are the Bears just going to say, we want to make sure that they're not, the Ravens are not hitting big, big plays down the field. We're going to make, make them get the ball out quick like the Dolphins did. And let's see what they do with that because it didn't work out. Uh, on Thursday night at all. You know, one of the things that you always see in a Ravens game when they're taking on a young quarterback is, you know, the complexities of Wink's scheme and the different looks that he throws at young quarterbacks who haven't had an opportunity to practice against such schemes. I think that that works in the Ravens' advantage this week as Justin Fields, at quarterback, hasn't seen Wink before. We saw it earlier this season. We mentioned the Chargers game before. Justin Herbert had he struggled. He was a little hesitant with his throws, and that little bit of hesitancy led to a lot of uh, PDs for the Ravens and even the interception by Deshaun Elliott. So, talk about Justin Fields going up against Wink Martindale and a defense that has given up seven fifty-yard or more plays. It's it's a bit it's an intri- very intriguing scenario because. They have the Bears with fields have the capability of hitting those big, big plays, those chunk plays. Uh, it, and he's starting to get more comfortable now rolling out of the pocket and finding guys down the field. He did it. He's got a good connection with Darnell Mooney, who's their big play guy. And that's the quintessential guy, Tony, that could kill the secondary because this is the type of guy that's killed him all year. Um, just the guy that gets down the field. He's pretty fast. He's, he's just, he's a, he's a 40, 50 yard catch guy. If that, you know, he could even get, he can even score on a bigger play than that. They have Allen Robinson who's banged up. I know he hasn't had the season that I think people thought he would, but all of a sudden, you know, I think fields is starting to connect with all these guys a little bit better. What, and he's seeing things better. He scrambles. And then if the defensive backs aren't disciplined and plaster coverage, he has been able to, to uh, uncover them. Now, on the flip side, though, and I was watching this in the Steelers game, he makes a lot of errors that obviously a rookie would make, but I think taking it even a step further, um, there's times where he just looks lost. He looks confused. The simple play action execution, for example, like how he might, you know, extend the ball out. These are all very small details, but that's where he gets hung up right now. He, He just is very, very raw. Um, he holds the ball. He'll double hits the ball. These are all things that could lead to big disastrous plays. So on, on one hand, he's very capable of hitting like two or three big plays in this game for the bears on offense. And he has some pieces to do that. And then also David Montgomery is a very good running back as well. So he's a guy that I don't think Rams have done a better job stopping the run, uh, especially the last two weeks, especially what they did against Minnesota and Dalvin cook. But, it's still, a, it's still a little bit more difficult. It's more difficult when you have to deal with a guy who can also run the ball himself at quarterback, like Fields can. Uh, the Ravens know that firsthand with Lamar Jackson. So 
to 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 the point, I, I think there will be some feast and famine. And you're right. I think what Wink did against Herbert a few weeks back, that's kind of like the blueprint. Can they confuse him pre-snap? I think they will. And I think they're going to show him a lot of things and he's just going to make a ton of mistakes. The question is, does he make more mistakes than he makes plays? And can the Ravens offense get it going on the other side of the ball? If they can't, then I think they're going to be in a similar scenario as the Dolphins game where it's going to be like a, it's going to be a low scoring game and there's going to be enough big plays that they make that they, they kind of on the road feel good about themselves and, and, and have some momentum. Yeah. I really don't know how this game's going to play out, Dev. It's my, my bold predictions throughout the past few weeks have been a disaster. <laughs> so I, I just don't know what team's going to show up. I don't know anything about this league anymore. I'm just going <laughs> to sit back and watch the game, and hopefully the things we talked about today will play out in the Ravens' favor. So uh, thanks for listening, everyone, to Battle Plans. Follow us on Twitter at Russell Street Report. It's Russell ST Report. And be sure to check out James's complete battle plans on Russell Street Report. James, if you're listening, We missed you and enjoy your trip to the States. We'll talk to you again next week, everyone. Thanks again for listening.